Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Instructional Design Career Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping new and aspiring instructional designers get the knowledge, skills, and confidence to stand out in the field and land their first corporate instructional design job. I'm your host, Jill Davidian, and think of this podcast as a way to put my over 20 years of corporate ID experience in your back pocket. I've helped over 500 new instructional designers successfully transition into the field, and I know what hiring managers are looking for. Whether you're looking for a career change and exploring if instructional design is right for you, or you know you want to become an ID and have no idea how to get started, you are in the right place. Join me each week for actionable guidance as we explore how to build your portfolio, transform your resume, and interview with confidence. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. In this episode, I'm covering a hot topic that I get asked about all the time. If you are a teacher looking to make the transition to instructional design, this episode is for you. I talk to teachers all the time that keep hearing that their teaching skills translate well to instructional design and that they have a lot of great skills to bring to the table. But when it comes to putting those skills into ID language, they freeze or they just put their teacher skills into their resume in teacher speak and apply for ID jobs and wonder why they never receive a callback. Maybe that's you. If it is, I've got you covered. If you haven't done this, I'm going to save you a lot of time and energy when you go to apply. Your resume is the first thing that will get you noticed, and we need to make sure it's optimized as much as possible. First, I want to explain what happens to your resume once you apply for a corporate instructional design job, because this is often different than it is in education. Often when you apply, your resume goes into what is called an applicant tracking system, or ATS. This is a database of resumes for each position, and the recruiter for the position sets it up to filter out for specific answers to questions and specific keywords. This is how they narrow down the resumes they actually want to read. There's no way they can read all the resumes that come in. Now, I've talked to teachers who said that they applied to like three teaching jobs when they were looking for a new position and interviewed with all of them and then had to choose from one or multiple offers to choose from. Not the case in corporate instructional design. Jobs often have 100, 200, even 300 applicants. This is nothing new and it's not specific to instructional design. It's just how corporate works. Many people looking to transition into instructional design think this is a sign that the market is, is saturated, but it isn't. It's been this way since I became an instructional designer over 20 years ago. Now, that being said, your resume has to stand out and you want to get noticed by those automated resume crawlers so that you get into the narrow down pile of resumes that recruiters and hiring managers actually read, right? Having teachers speak in your resume is not going to do it. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We want you to have the right keywords in your resume so it doesn't just fall into a black hole. Now, there's a couple caveats that I want to make before we get into it. We are talking about how to translate your teaching skills into skills for a corporate instructional design job. This does not apply to ed tech or K through 12 instructional design or higher ed instructional design. All three of those are very different and you would translate your resume in different ways. If you're planning to apply to jobs in more than one of those, you will want to have separate resumes. Not separate resumes for every job you apply to, but a separate one for ed tech, separate one for higher ed, and then a separate one for corporate ID. Now, if you don't know the difference between the three, check out my podcast episode on this topic. It's called Ed Tech, Higher Ed, and Corporate ID, What's the Difference? That's going to give you more insight as to what the difference is between the three. Now, to get an instructional design job or contract, you have to have a portfolio with samples that demonstrate you know how to do the things that you are listing in your resume from a corporate perspective. 
I want to make sure that you don't just think that you can change a few words on your resume and go apply, and that's going to get you an instructional design job. That may get you looked at, but then you're going to have to prove that you know what you're talking about once you get in there in that interview, and they're going to want to see it. A portfolio is a requirement in this field. So I want to make sure that while resumes are very important and we're going to talk about them today, you don't use your resume to replace a portfolio. Now, I will have episodes in the future that will cover what needs to be in your portfolio. And you can always check to see if I have one of my five-day free live instructional design jumpstart workshops coming up where I cover in detail what you need to have in your portfolio. If you're listening to this around the time it was first recorded in January 2023, there is one coming up on January 16th, and the link to register is in the description and also in the show notes at learningstrategyanddesign.com slash podcast. I run them several times a year, so if it's after that date, there's likely one coming up. Okay, back to resumes. First, I'm going to talk about some general things that you should be thinking about overall. Next, I'll give you a few keywords that you should include in your resume and talk about how they translate to what you do as a teacher. And third, I'm going to walk you through a set of skills, think bullet points in your resume, that translate what you do as a teacher to ID. So first, some general tips. As a general rule, I want you to focus on the curriculum planning and design part of your job versus the actual delivery or teaching of your students. As instructional designers, we are behind the scenes, designing and developing the learning or the curriculum. We typically don't deliver it. That could be because it's e-learning, which means no one is delivering it and it's asynchronous, or it could be because we're designing learning for someone else to deliver it. It's usually a trainer or someone with knowledge of the material like a subject matter expert. We just design it in a way that is engaging and appropriate for the audience, but they go through and deliver it. So think of everything through that lens. Second, corporate employers are not going to care about what you taught, meaning if you taught history, government, etc., you can leave that out. They don't care about the number of learners either. They also don't care what state standards your curriculum aligned to, and they don't even care what grades you taught. So don't worry about putting those things in your resume. Third, when you're putting job titles on your resume, people sometimes like to get creative and call themselves an instructional designer for their school because they did design curriculum even though their official job was teacher, or they want to use some fancy facilitator or curriculum designer title. Unless that was actually your official title, don't. It makes it look like you're making something up and trying to be something you aren't, and they can usually see right through that. Also, many corporations do reference checks using third parties where they will check with your previous employers to verify dates of employments, titles, etc. And if your title doesn't match, it's a red flag. One time an employer did that to me, and I had put instructional designer for my title when it was actually senior instructional designer, and it got flagged, which is so silly because they're basically the same thing. I just explained it and it was fine, but it still got flagged. So you see what I mean. Just keep your title as teacher. You could even probably use educator, but don't get too fancy. And I really would probably stick to your official title. All right, so now we're going to talk about terminology. These are keywords that should be on your resume somewhere, unless you really didn't do anything with regards to these keywords. But if you did, you want to make sure that you include these keywords on your resume. When you're talking about creating curriculum, try to use the terms design and develop as much as possible. You designed curriculum, or you developed curriculum, or you designed and developed curriculum. You can use create if you're running out of verbs, and you've used design or develop a few times already, but don't only use create. 
Now, when you refer to the delivery part of teaching, which you can and still include, even though I said to focus on the curriculum planning, you can still include that you did the delivery part as well. I would say that you facilitated or delivered rather than taught. And I would say that you facilitated instructor-led training or ILT. That means you delivered in-person training, which is what you do in the classroom. You're in-person and you're teaching. And so you facilitated instructor-led training. The short version of that is ILT. Now, if it was virtual and you were live with your students, everybody was on at the same time, but you were all on Zoom or some other tool like that, and you were delivering learning that way, like maybe during COVID, that would be virtual instructor-led training. So the cool thing about it is a lot of teachers got that experience during COVID, even if it wasn't fun. And you can now put that on your resume. Please put that on your resume because I know it was not easy to go through all the things that you guys did. And so I want you to highlight that. So remember that virtual instructor-led training is still synchronous, meaning everybody is on at the same time, but virtual. Now, a quick tip. The first time you mention either of these terms in your resume, spell them out completely. So say instructor-led training, virtual instructor-led training. After that, you can refer to them as BILT or ILT in your resume. Most everybody knows what those acronyms mean, but you just want to make sure that you start spelling it out. Now, if you've created lessons that your students did do on their own online, where you were not there delivering anything to them, you can call that e-learning. Now, this is loose as e-learning really has a pretty specific meaning in corporate, which is really not what you had your students do online, but I'm giving you permission to include this. As you can probably tell, I'm very real about what you can include in your resume and what you shouldn't. And I wouldn't tell you to do this if it wasn't acceptable, but I just want you to know that if you do include e-learning on your resume, just know that corporate e-learning is different. And so if they ask you about it, just make sure you have that in mind. Now, if you designed any quick lessons that are maybe five minutes or less, like a video, a quick activity, a cheat sheet, or some kind of resource for your students, that is called micro-learning. Microlearning is any kind of short learning nugget that doesn't follow any prescribed format. Companies often need quick hits where their employees can learn a tip or a trick quickly with their limited time and short attention span. So think all the things that you learn on TikTok. That's microlearning. And that's a keyword that should be on your resume. Almost all teachers I know have done some type of microlearning for their students. Now, when you create a lesson that combines two of the methods I just talked about, that is called blended learning. So let's say that you designed and delivered a lesson live in class. So that's instructor-led training. But you also created a quick cheat sheet or worksheet for your students on that topic. That's micro-learning. So now you've done micro-learning and instructor-led training together. And when you do two or more of those methods in the same module of course, like I said, that's called blended learning because you're blending learning methods together. Definitely want to include that in your resume. Now, I've only talked about what you do with your students up to this point, but if you've designed or led any professional development or PD for other teachers or other staff, you want to make sure you include that and you want to specify that it was for adult learners because that's super important. Corporate employers are going to assume that everything you have done in the education setting has been for children. I promise you that's what they're going to assume. So you want to make sure that if you have done anything that was not for children, that you make sure to highlight that. Even if it's informal, if you created some resource materials for others in your department, I would include it. The next thing I want you to think about are collaborations that you did with others at work. Have there been any projects where you and others in your department, school, or district had to create some curriculum, design 
something, implement something new. I'm thinking projects with an end date. So not general curriculum planning for your classroom, but let's say, for example, your school is implementing a new way of doing things and you're on the committee to figure out how the school is going to implement. But once it's implemented, it's done. That would be a project. Or if you're designing a multidisciplinary unit with other teachers for your students, that could be a project because it has an end date. For example, at my son's high school, everything that they do is interdisciplinary. And so they have cohort classes where four teachers from four different subjects get together to create projects that transcend all four of those subjects. That would be a project. It lasts for six weeks and then they move on to the next. It could even be a small project you were just doing with your principal or vice principal. All of these other people that you work with are stakeholders. A stakeholder is anyone who has any interest in the project. So it could be another teacher, an administrator, an instructional coach, a specialist, etc. You can put that you collaborated with stakeholders on XYZ project on your resume. Now let's take that a step further. Let's say there were others on this project that were more knowledgeable than you about certain areas, but you all work together to get to a common goal. You could call them subject matter experts or SMEs. A subject matter expert is someone who is knowledgeable about the subject matter you are designing the learning for. As IDs, we are learning experts. We're not subject matter experts. We may be designing a healthcare training, and we know nothing about healthcare, but that's okay because a subject matter expert does. They give us the content and we translate it in a way that is engaging, meets the learning objectives, and makes sense for our audience. If you did anything like this in teaching, where you work with someone who is more knowledgeable than you on a project, they are your subject matter expert and you can put collaboration with them on your resume. Now, when you think about learning outcomes or goals, we call those learning objectives. You may call them learning objectives too, but that terminology is what we use most often in corporate. So I just want to make sure we're clear on that. Learning objectives are what you want the learner to be able to achieve, do, or know by the end of the learning. Now, if you're assessing learners periodically and informally, that's called a knowledge check. For example, if you stop in the middle of a lesson to check for understanding, you can put that on your resume as opposed to an assessment that you include at the end, which you can also put on your resume. So if you create tests for your students, I would call those assessments. Now, I think that's it for general terminology. What I want to do now is walk through what you do as a teacher as compared to the ADDIE model, which is a model of designing and developing learning that we loosely use in corporate instructional design. If you want to learn more about the ADDIE model, you can check out my episode on how the instructional design process is like building a house. That episode is already out for you. Now, the ADDIE model stands for analysis, design, development, implementation and evaluation. And like I said, it's a process that we follow and you follow it too as a teacher. So the first step of the ADDIE model is analysis. Analysis is a pre-work that you do prior to designing the learning to make sure that the learning you design is effective. You do this a ton as a teacher. For example, this involves identifying who your learners are. This is called learner analysis. You wouldn't develop the same learning for a high school class that you would for a third grade class, right? This is keeping your learners in mind. Is this an accelerated class or not? What have learners been exposed to with regards to this content before? Are they brand new to it or is this just a deeper dive to something they've already learned? You wouldn't prepare it the same way in both cases, right? Have you taught them one way in the past and that didn't work? So you're not going to try a different approach? All of that is learner analysis and we do the same thing in corporate. 
We have to make sure that we are not providing the same training to someone that is brand new at the company versus someone who has been there for 10 years. We also have to consider the demographic. Are most of these learners young or is there a more mature workforce? What they respond to and engage with will be different. So next, after learner analysis, we do needs analysis. And they don't have to be done in this order. But this is identifying the gap or need that we need to fill with this learning. So in teaching, you're identifying the gap in your learner's knowledge when you create this new learning. In corporate, we're looking at current state, which is what they're doing now, and future state, which is what we want them to be doing in the future. That is the gap or need. For example, it could be as simple as this training is for new hires and the gap is that they're new, that's it. Or it could be existing employees that are not performing well, so there's the gap. Or maybe there's a new procedure that just got implemented that needs to be learned. Employees don't know about it because it's new, hence the gap. That could translate to education if a new standard is introduced and you have to adapt your lessons or develop new ones for that standard. After we've identified the need and we know who our learners are, we move on to the next phase of ADDIE, which is design. This is where you're going to spend most of your time and most of your bullet points for your resume. This is where you're actually designing your curriculum or lessons. So where is on a teaching resume, if you're applying for another teaching job, you may expand on the actual teaching bullet points. You're going to want to expand on the design or curriculum planning bullet points, and then the teaching bullet points are going to be much more succinct. So when you think about this, you plan out how your lessons are going to flow. You establish learning objectives or learning outcomes for what you want your learners to be able to accomplish. You make sure that there are engaging learning activities included. You make sure that your learning objectives align to the content. You're actually teaching them what you want them to be able to get out of this lesson and that they also align to the assessment because you want to make sure you're assessing them properly as well. We do the same thing in corporate. So this is your time to extrapolate bullets around the things I just mentioned using phrases like designed curriculum for X, aligned learning objectives to assessment, created engaging learning experiences. You could talk about designing micro learning or e-learning or instructor-led training or virtual instructor-led training to close learning gaps or designing learning tailored to a diverse set of learners. Those are all bullet points and language that you can use and you can adapt that to what makes sense for you. Next is development. And this is where you talk about actually putting your lesson plans into practice through teaching. So I would use the phrase facilitate or deliver rather than teach, and I would call it instructor-led training as I said earlier. So you facilitated instructor-led training. Now evaluation is the last piece. This is also something that you do because you have to evaluate your learners and what they've learned. In corporate, we do this through assessments at the end of our courses or through knowledge checks. You can have bullets here about creating assessments that align to objectives, as I said earlier, or about evaluating learners to gain insight on how successful the learning was. Hopefully this episode has given you some language that you can include in your resume and has helped you to see how your skills as a teacher translate to instructional design. Now I have some homework for you to do. I have a resume rewrite workshop for you that is free on my website at learningstrategyanddesign.com resources. That worksheet will guide you through the process of highlighting and rewriting your skills for your resume. So I would go ahead and download that worksheet so you can get started on that today. If you're enjoying this podcast, follow so you don't miss a thing and rate and review so that others can benefit as well. I also want to tell you about a free five-day workshop for getting into instructional design that I have taken place on January 16th and 20th and a giveaway I'm doing to kick off this podcast with some amazing prizes, including a one-year Articulate 360 subscription. 
Stick around for a minute to get the details if you're listening in January 2023. All right, see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Instructional Design Career podcast. I hope you've gained valuable insights that will help you on your instructional design journey. Are you interested in going deeper and getting the roadmap to an instructional design career? I have a free five-day workshop coming up on January 16th through 20th, 2023, where you will be live with me for an hour a day. I will help you identify the skills that you bring to the table, clarify your gaps, and get the direction you need to stand out to hiring managers to get that first ID job or contract. The link to register is in the show notes on our website at learningstrategyanddesign.com slash podcast. And that's not all. To kick off the launch of this podcast, we're doing a giveaway with some big prizes. Enter to win a one-year license to Articulate 360, which is an $1,100 value. I'm also giving away a one-on-one coaching session with me and three instructional design book bundles. To enter the giveaway and get more details, go to learningstrategyanddesign.com slash giveaway. You can also check the description and the show notes for more information. No purchase is required. If you love the show and want to hear more, follow the podcast and give me a rating and review. Stay tuned next week as I bring you more tips, tools, and strategies to jumpstart your instructional design career.